Hi, my name is Sandra, and this is my faith story. So I guess back in 2016, me and my husband, we had just gotten married and we were new to Jersey City. We were looking for friends. Uh, I had moved from a place where I grew up my entire life and uh, I didn't have any friends. I had work friends, but nothing outside of it. So I was so used to having like friends I could just run to their houses or whatever. Um, so living here was completely, completely different. And so one day uh, we were at my in-law's house and my mother-in-law, we were talking to her about how we didn't know anybody and you know, we would like to meet people. Uh, and she said, oh, well, you should find a church to, to find friends. And I was just like, oh yeah, <laughs> like that was weird to me. No one had ever told me uh, that I should find, go to church to find friends before. So I thought it was interesting, but uh, I didn't shoot it down. I'm always open to most things. Uh, so that seed was planted in my head and some weeks had passed by. And one morning uh, I was running late for work and uh, as soon as I was about to get on the path, somebody handed me a granola bar. And I was so happy for that granola bar. I grabbed the granola bar, got on the train, got to my desk, and I was just so happy because I was starving. So I opened up the granola bar and uh, I see it says Downtown Community Church. And so from there, me and my husband, we ended up going to a few of the services and it has been um, amazing uh, since then. So um, yeah, so we ended up attending a few services and then uh, my husband traveled a lot for work. I traveled a lot and uh, I went through a career change where I wasn't traveling as much, but he was still on the road a lot. So um, I decided to join dinner groups and there, I met so many people and just so many people that I can relate to and I didn't feel as alone. Just the sense, I felt a little bit of a sense of community since I was so used to that at home. Um, I felt like I wasn't being judged and that I could just, you know, bring over a dish and kind of hang out with some girlfriends <laughs> that um, I had just met, but everybody was just so open. Um, everybody loved Jesus and uh, it was just every time I left a dinner group I felt uh, I felt like lighter happier <laughs> and um, so I have been going to the dinner groups for a while um, meeting meeting uh, like-minded people and um, I was at the same time I was also like I said going through like a career change and so I felt like at the time I had so many ask I was just asking Jesus for oh you know what should I do next like what should I do next what is my purpose what is this what is that I had so many ask but I felt like I wasn't uh, giving um, like what was I giving <laughs> so uh, I decided that I needed to get baptized. 
and uh, officially followed Jesus as an adult because of course I was baptized as a baby um, and I've always believed in Jesus I've believed in uh, God but I, I just think that as an adult it was very important for me to uh, to make that step because again who am I to ask all these all these things of, but not want to give anything um, or, or spend the time to read uh, the Bible or spend any type of time, like who am I to do that? So that's why I decided to uh, get baptized. And once I was baptized and even, even in the whole process, because of course this didn't happen overnight. This was like months and time put into this. And so, um, at the time, it was, I'll take whatever step it takes for me to um, just be fully committed and uh, not only to my marriage, but to the, the people in my life. Um, and I think being baptized, being, being baptized really uh, kind of reset things in my marriage, uh, being baptized definitely has made us make sure that we're coming together um, to God whenever we have anything, anything <laughs> it is. If we're walking out on, on the street, I'm like, God, please protect us. Um, whatever it is that we come up against uh, or just whatever blessings uh, Jesus gives us, I'm we're consistently thanking him just to I guess bring it all to the present uh, for me my mother-in-law telling me that I should find friends at church to me getting a granola bar uh, and then going to a few services attending dinner group and then getting baptized and then all of a sudden we're like oh we're, we're, <laughs> we're gonna have a child and so um, when it came time for his baby dedication, when we had to choose certain words um, that we wanted to, to make sure we, I guess, in, instilled in him. And we took that so serious. And so even, even now, he's two now, um, even now we still kind of reflect on just those things uh, because we wanna make sure, I think one of the ones, one of the words we chose was integrity. We, we, took, we take that serious. And had we not had the support of DCC and the community of DCC, I don't really necessarily know if we would have approached even parenthood the way we do. Um, just being more intentional in the way we uh, even teach Rue to kind of inter interact with his friends or the way we interact with Rue and the way we speak to them, the way we want him to, to grow up. So uh, yeah, it's just, just thinking about everything just over, again, this was from 2016 all the way until 2021. So um, you just never know what, what is going, what God has, what Jesus, has planned uh, for you. So that is pretty much my faith story in a nutshell.
no matter how good something seems, if God doesn't want it for me, I'm not gonna do it. That's just, that's just, <laughs> that's just the, Well, awesome. We love uh, when our attenders share stories together. But uh, thank you, Sandra, for sharing your story with us. And uh, it's been great to be uh, celebrating with you guys today. And so what I want to do right now is take us a couple of minutes here before I launch into today's conversation just to celebrate this year of 2021. Uh, and we've been setting some goals, and we're really close to hitting those, and I'm really excited about that as well. And so believe it or not, today is the 44th Sunday that we've been engaging as a church this year. How crazy is that? Uh, so yeah, that's that. Yeah, you guys are really excited about that one. Um, so it's crazy. So we started in 2020. You know, many of you are new with us. You know, in January through March, we were online only. And we would record our services and broadcast it then on Sunday mornings, and we would all gather wherever we were, and we'd be chatting together online and engaging in that way. Uh, many of you would have been part of that story, so we submitted videos online. This is one that we did last Christmas, lighting candles together, I think for our Christmas Eve service. Uh, you know, we were, and when we started recording our services, we were recording guitar tracks ahead of time, uh, and then the kind of singing along with that. And so that's still from Christmas there. And then... Uh, we started, re you know, we've been in all kinds of spaces, so we actually started with Nimbus in January. We were recording in the, in the either in the theater here, like uh, this is a picture of us, you know, recording. I love how the microphone's on the stool, and we just, you know, just like a, made this a broadcast studio, essentially, and then we also used the ballet studio, <laughs> and so, uh, you know, there it is. Uh, and so we just kind of ran cables everywhere and just had fun doing that. Our dinner groups were meeting online via Zoom, uh, you know, and, and we were just engaging life together. What's amazing is we were doing, uh, you know, we, it allowed me actually more time to engage in conversations with you, and we would do that. I've done probably a million Zoom calls this year. It's amazing. You guys were like, well, you should see my life. Anyway, um, but then, you know, throughout that spring, you know, we had a kids' small group happening on Zoom, and, you know, Chantel, one of our leaders, was, was keeping them together and leading that. Uh, just some really cool things that were happening. And then we made it to Easter, and that was our first in-person service. And we did that here at Nimbus, and we did three online services, I mean, excuse me, three services all online. We did a kids' service for the very first time on Easter. And you guys are going to have to fly. Yeah, there we go. That was uh, our kids' service. We had, and then we had two other normal services with people in engaging online. And that was a really exciting time. And the world was still kind of transitioning and finally beginning to have the, the vaccines available and all, all this. So, so it's just a really interesting time. And so we just, we just kind of kept pursuing God's mission for us here. Uh, and going into May, we had a mix of like all kinds of different spots. We were here one week. We did an outdoor service down at Exchange Place one week. Um, and, you know, we, we were trying to pursue future meeting places. We didn't know exactly how that would happen. There's our Exchange Place service there. We didn't know, you know, what, you know places that we had been meeting at before weren't available and and all these different types of things. But God was, you know, God was at work, and we actually ended up back at our, our old location at 150 Bay Street. 
And so we started back there in person again every single week. And so we had seen uh, quite a few people join us online and in person for our outdoor service and then even the one we did here in May. And so we decided to start doing two services to begin in June just to make sure we had enough room to spread out. We, you know, we weren't sure about all this stuff. And then we ended up being too spread out. So we're just, we were just figuring this all out. You know, like, so we went back to one service together and our, our serving team did a lot of great things together beforehand in time of worship. And we actually have continued that even now till today. We, you know, here's a baby dedication there. And then we launched Go Jersey City again. We, you know, every year we used to do an event called Go Jersey City, and we couldn't do that in 2020. And so we restarted and got back to this. And we had 51 people come out and serve on a Saturday. And in the past, we've usually served about 10 organizations, but we were able to get three in line. And so we served Van Voorst Park. That was an amazing transition, by the way. As soon as I said that, like, that was incredible. And then we, and then we, did, uh, we did New City Kids, getting them ready for their after-school program. We replaced these posts at Van Voorst Park. And then we also um, served St. Lucie's Shelter. And it was really exciting to, to have Go Jersey City back again and to be engaging with our neighbors and our community uh, and serving in that way. And so we were just kind of re-engaging life. And Go was significant. It was almost like we're broadcasting in the neighborhood, hey, you can engage. You can love other people. Let's get out and let's, let's engage our city. And for us, it was a significant statement just as much as I feel like our community as well. And it's been exciting to get back to loving others outwardly like we long to do. And so all that led to us kicking off here at Nimbus in September. And so back in May, we had been in conversations with them about how can we make this work? Because they do have Sunday uh, performances. And you've got, you've got the Nutcracker coming up, by the way. That's what this set is. As, this is them. This is, not, this is not some weird, like, you know, anyway. So, but Nutcracker's happening next month. And so we were like, but it, it, was, it was such a gift from God that this space came available. And so in September, we started at Nimbus. Now we've now, this is our 12th Sunday here. And time has been flying. It's so crazy. Uh, our kids' programs have been engaging and, and, and throughout this entire time. Uh, you saw the kids' small group that was happening. In 2021, we've looked back and we think that we've been engaging, serving 32 different families this year. And, and many of them were online or and some, have, you know, some have moved away now and you know, everything. Many people have moved away this year and, and, and we, I think it's around 20-something families now. But that 32 families, it represents over 70 parents and children and that's not even the majority of our church. Our, and, and it's just been incredible to be able to engage in these many ways. And making this all possible are, are many of you who have served faithfully and consistently throughout this whole time. And so just for Sunday alone, the conservative estimate that we think we've been looking at this is that this is the conservative that, that collectively each individual throughout this year, we've served 2,500 hours and loving through our Sunday services. However it was happening, that's the conservative estimate. So you're like, okay, well, that represents 105 full days of serving hours. Isn't that incredible? It's in, yeah, I was blown away by that number. Um, our dinner groups continued to meet all throughout the pandemic. Online, you stayed with it. You continued to engage. We had life 
happening online, and we just weren't sure what was going on, right? We, we, we broadcast those services, and we record, and, and to no one, right, beyond the camera, there's a mirror. You guys saw that? Like, I'm just looking at cables and, and the production guys back there, and so, you know, like, and you're like, is, is anything happening? And God was doing work in people's lives. You know, we had, we had one individual who was on this journey towards Christ and began to engage one of our classes and took that step and was baptized. And that was incredible. And we were like, we were like, where do we do a baptism right now? And so we figured that out. In fact, that was the first time I actually saw them in person was a baptism. It was such an interesting world. And we went to our sister church in Hoboken to do it. And, and we just found ways to engage. We had someone show up on Easter and said, the work series that you did in March changed the direction of my life and changed how I engage with Christ. And we would have people come and say, God has been working my life in these specific ways. We had no idea. And to, it's just been amazing. We've been in and out of new office spaces, out of new spaces. Here on Sundays, we sold a truck. We've gone in and out of storage units. It's just been kind of crazy and fun. And in this series we're in called Being Rich, we set a goal to raise it was originally $5,000 for New City Kids, and then that was met before we were done with the teardown that Sunday, so we upped it to $10,000. And so uh, as of the early this morning, we were 85% there, so we were like $8,500 raised for New City Kids. How incredible. Yeah, 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 we should really celebrate that. Like, I, I was just going to be excited if we hit five, and it was just been, and so I think we're going to hit it today. I know many of you are giving, and maybe you've given directly to them uh, you can let us know, or if you get, we have a pull-down menu um, push pay that you can use to designate for New City Kids, uh, but I, I think we're going to hit 10000 and so you can still give today if you want to do that, and they were here with us last week, if you were here in person or watching online, and we just love engaging New City Kids. It's an unbelievable after-school program that really is an example for the entire country, and they're now, they're now going to Detroit. They're now going to uh, in Patterson, New Jersey, and expanding this model. It's in, in, incredible. And so this year, it's been crazy. It's been hard. I'll just say that. It's been sacrificial, and it's been amazing. It's been un unbelievable. And so we're celebrating. This is incredible. We're celebrating. And there's so many other things happening. There's the sharing place. I forgot that. We started the sharing place serving this fall, uh, and there's just too many things to talk about. And we've, we've been doing this once a month. And so um, we've had about 30 people who've served at our different Sharing Place events. We started in August or September. And so we've bagged, we helped them get ready for their Saturday distribution on Thursday nights. And we've bagged about 1,600 bags so far just in the couple of months we've been doing this. Last weekend, we had a group, last Thursday, um, they had extra stuff for Thanksgiving coming up and their distribution, which was yesterday. And so we had more food, and we bagged 588 bags on Thursday, and we had a blast doing it. And so it's just a, it was really fun to sit there and celebrate and be with one another and, and impact. And it's just a partnership that, we, that God has brought to us where we can love and, and partner with the sharing place and serve them uh, with these, these needs. And so there's almost the finished product. Um, it's just incredible to be part of this. The reason we give what we do, the reason we serve in the way that we do, and the ways in which we give is because we have found life. We have found life. It's incredible. We're celebrating. 
And where we are today has been the pursuit from the beginning of the year. And did we know that we'd be here right now in this way and engaging? Like, no, I had no clue. I, I mean, some of it, like we made plans to be in person in Easter, but we didn't even know what location we'd be at. I got rejected for so many places you won't even know. And like, well, we can't have people meet. And, and you know, it's just really interesting. I was trying to find the largest place as possible. In parking lots for church services, I've done everything you can imagine. We, we just didn't know, but we knew that God would be faithful in this. We didn't know how an in-person service would look like or even where. And so when we can't see what is ahead, we know the one who does, and we put our hope in him. And many of you have served this year with this hope in mind, sacrificing your time, being faithful and consistent, even when it wasn't easy. Many of you have been consistently giving financially and engaging, and these are are pointing us, we are saying out loud that we have a hope in Christ and we know that he's working in all these things, in all these different ways. And so if you're pursuing faith and if you're interested in Christ and wondering about these things, you know, this really is your first question that you consider is, who is Jesus? And, and, and is he real? And, did, and, uh, and do, why do you need him? Why do we proclaim him so much? And did he really have to die? What's, that, what's the cross all about and his resurrection? Did he really rise from the grave? These are the first questions that we should wrestle with because when we come to these answers, we know that we have life because of him. And we're taking hold of, of eternity because of that. Perhaps you've pursued what you think is life, yet you still think something is missing. You are invited to pursue him and to take steps to find out who he is. And many of you are doing that, and I love that. And so, yeah, giving principles will improve your life. We've been in this series called Being Rich, and we're talking about what it means to give, to serve, and to love others. And taking these steps in your life will will improve your life as you experience principles as the way God has designed it to be. But the ultimate decision for you and I is Jesus. It starts with him. And so we're in this series called Being Rich, and we've been talking about what it means to live life and putting Christ first and seeking him in our finances, in, our, in the way that we serve with our time, and how we love others and engage this world. There's no better place to, there's no better way to live your life, I should say. The life that we have, it comes at a cost. And so I just want to engage quickly in this final conversation about what it really means to be rich. We've been turning this term on its head throughout this series. And if you are a Christ follower, if you begin to pursue him and you eventually give him your life and say, you are mine, I'm following you, we take all these steps. If you are a follower of his, as you take steps and as you engage him, allow him to lead your life, you're going to be invited into moments where it's going to cost you something. You're invited into moments where it will be hard to take a step. There'll be a step of faith as you pursue Christ. There'll be a conflict, and it will be faith. It will be, I don't know about this. I want to live my life in this way or whatever it may be. It is a deeper place of faith. You're going to have to give up some comfort as you engage him, engage him, there will be a line. There will always be a line to being known by letting God know you and be open to your struggles, your weaknesses, and being known by others as you engage in community as he has called us to engage. 
And the question will be for us, are we willing to let others in? Because that's not easy to do. It's when we begin to be vulnerable before God and before others. And that is not easy to let God really know you. At some point, it will, you will give up something that you want for him. And those are really the moments where we say, I really do believe you. Similar to what we were hearing Sanja talk about. At some point, you'll give up things that culture is pressuring you and I to do and to engage for Christ. And Jesus called us to this. He talked about this and he engaged over and over. If you read the scriptures and you read the story of his life and those who wrote about it, he called you and I to this. And this is amazing. And this is, I'm just going to read just a couple of examples here. One is found in Matthew 10. And these are the words of Jesus. He, was, he had a group of disciples. He had 12 inner disciples that were with him. And then he had, there's a group, big, bigger group that followed him, about 30 people or up to 70 people that were kind of consistently around him and engaging him. And there's a couple of times where he began to send them out to minister. And so maybe like a pep talk, but he's about to send a group of them out. And here's what he says. Like if you think, okay, what are you going to say to them and help them get them ready for ministry and to, to engage others in different cities? Here's what he says to them. He says, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Which you're like, oh, okay. And it's not like the coach conversations that we think we, read, we watch at halftime or the pregame things. Like, oh, okay. He says, therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. Okay. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what, what to say or how to say it. At that time, you'll be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. He goes on to say, he says, brother will betray brother to death and father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by everyone because of me. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Whoa. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Did they go? Like, they, they still went out. And some of this happened then, but all of these things eventually happened. He's speaking specifically to them, by the way. This wasn't for the church universal, although... We all have different callings in our lives, but this group, they experienced all these things. Just read the book of Acts. You see it happen. It's incredible. They still went out. He wasn't done. <laughs> Listen to what he says. He says, anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life, you try to do everything you can to get your life and save it, he says, whoever finds it will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. It's an unbelievable statement. Why? I have two questions for you. Why would anyone who wanted a lot of people to follow them say anything like this? 
Like, that's not a, a good strategy. If you look at Jesus' life, this is one of the things that we know, that we see, that we believe in him because of this. People say, well, he's just a good teacher. And, you know, he made all these claims in himself. And he, this is just one snapshot of the many things he said. I'll do another one in just a second. But why would anybody who wanted a lot of people to follow him to say anything like that? That's the opposite of what you would ever instruct people to do. And if you're making up a story, you would never do that. And then the second question you might have is, did anyone follow Jesus after hearing this? Did they stay? Well, let's, I want to answer these questions in reverse a little bit here. I want to jump to uh, John. And John's account of Jesus' life is amazing. You should read John, by the way. It's fascinating if you're pursuing who Jesus is. And, and John wanted us to know that Jesus was the Son of God and and how much faith we have in that. And he's telling this story, something similar. Jesus had just shared a hard teaching. And he would just kind of bluntly engage, inviting people to say, you know, I am, I am, I am the one that, you, you know, that brings life. And he said it in a really tough way for them to take. He was really wanting to know, are people really following him just for the show? Or do they really believe who he is? And they were struggling with this. And so this is found in John 6. And it says, On hearing it, many of the disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? I mean, like, I mean, you can think about, like, that's probably how they felt in the other teaching. This is a different time and place. And so it says, Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this. And this is that big group of disciples. 30 to 70 people were there around him. And so, and he looks at them and he says, Does this offend you? And in our culture today, we're like, well, that question offended me. You know, like, that's like, whoa, did this offend you? He says, then what if you see the Son of Man, that's who he, how he described himself, ascend to where he was before, it means ascending into heaven. He says, the Spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. And then it says this, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. He didn't sound like they wanted him to sound like in this moment. And so the answer is some did unfollow, walk away. Not everybody. We'll come back to this in just a second here. So why would Jesus teach and say things like this? Well, because it was true. Because he was the only one who had the words of eternal life. And what's amazing is this group that was, that was around him, they had seen and watched many of Jesus' miracles. They had seen it happen. And it's interesting, we look at this, we say, well, if only, we say, like, if only God would really, if God was God, he would just show up and, and, and we would see him. And if he did these miracles, then I would believe. But we know that that's not fully true because they've, yeah, they followed him when they saw those things, but not all stayed. There were places where they're like, I'm done. Just as we're seeing here, they were in it for the show, for all these things, for what they could get out of. It. And as soon as it went beyond that, they walked away. And Jesus knew this. And he knew that those efforts of walking away would lead them to destruction. And he wasn't afraid to call them to what mattered most. The very thing that would lead them to life. It's the most loving thing that he could do to say to them. It's the most loving thing that he could say. Were these tough words. 
Because he's like, listen, there, there's more to life than right now. And I am that. God is in front of you. Eternity is here. So then what about his closest followers? And so it said to him, from this time on, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. And then Jesus then turned to the most inner circle, the 12, as we call them. He says, do you not want to leave too, do you? Oh, wait, I said that wrong. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12. This is an incredible moment. Jesus had spent years investing specifically in this group, helping them begin to see the love of God. He was preparing them to lead the church for the future. And he was unafraid to say this to them. If I was a leader, that would never come out of my mouth. (laughs) That's my natural pen. And look at their answer. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? To whom shall we go? He says, you have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. They knew they could see it. It's such an incredibly wise statement. They knew they're walking towards something. And they're, as they're saying this out loud, they're seeing these people walk away. And the question then for you and I is, what are you walking towards? Or who are you walking towards? Whatever it may be. If you were with us in the week one of this series, I talked about how Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. And like essentially everything in our life is saying, I've come to do this. And there's that question of to walk away from God means you walk, you're walking towards something. And where is that? What is that? Who is that? And they knew. You are the one that has the words of eternal life. To whom shall we go? This is the ultimate, ultimate thing for us. And so the reason that here, and now we're back here for us in this year, and the reason that we give what we do as Christ followers, and the ways in which we give that what, you know, what we do, that how we do that, is because of the life that we found. Because we found the most significant, ultimate thing in our life. And here's the amazing thing. The irony, really, of all of this is that we do experience great joy. We're not in slavery to any kind of pressure of culture around us or the things that we're engaging in. We're just enjoying it. God has freed you and I up because of what Christ has done to engage life. And so we're not having a drink to try to find life and find some way through that and hope that we can experience a little bit of the joy that we can experience. No, we are having a drink to celebrate the life that we've already found. We're not resting or taking a vacation to try to find deep rest or recover or whatever it may be, but we're delighting in our Father who's already brought rest to our souls. We're not giving financially because we're hoping to get some kind of reward or, you know, maybe something coming back to us. But we give because God first gave to us. He sacrificed and gave his all. In fact, the God of this universe, Jesus came down like a slave for us. And he showed us that this is what love really is. And we're just loving others as the Holy Spirit works in our hearts. 
It's out of what he's given us that we engage life. We celebrate and we, we engage in things that we enjoy because of what he's already done. And Jesus then comes to you and I and says, whoever wants to follow me, really whoever wants to find love, follow, find life, must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And the disciples probably said, okay, you first. And Jesus actually did that. Everything that he asked them to do, he did first. He went, took up his cross. He denied what he deserved in heaven, the glory of what he had. He left that, took up the cross that would lead to his death, carried it to where he was died, and he, he followed the instructions of his heavenly Father, of God, for you and I. And we lead and follow him in the same way. And this doesn't make sense in the service, surface at all until you realize how amazing and deep this love really is. Listen to these instructions. The Apostle Paul, who is starting churches all over the Greco-Roman world after, after Jesus' resurrection, the church has exploded. And we have all these incredible letters that talk about Christ work in them and help us understand his teachings in incredible ways. And he's writing to this church in, in Ephesus, and he says this. This is found in Ephesians 3. It says, I pray that out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and deep is the love of Christ. I love that. And he says this, And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, he's praying that they will know this love. He says, And that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That's it. To be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God, that you might be filled up. That's what we want, right? We want to be filled up. That is it. That's being rich. That's rich. To experience being filled up by Him, to be filled up by the purpose that He engages and brings to our lives. That's joy. That's being rich. And if you look at the early church and they, they face persecution, they face death, they face all those things that Jesus said they're going to do. It's incredible. And the church exploded. They couldn't, Rome was trying to do everything they could to put it out for hundreds of years and it only grew. So eventually the Roman emperor became a Christ follower himself and it changed everything. It's incredible. That you may be filled the fullness of God. It's a famous missionary named Jim Elliott. The story is incredible. Actually, the story of his life is unreal. One of the most incredible women who's ever lived. He says this, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep. So you're not a fool to give up what you cannot keep, to gain what you cannot lose. It's one of those quotes. You're like, wait, what? <laughs> you're no fool. He is no fool who gives up, gives up what you can't keep, 
we're trying for all these things, pursuing all this stuff that makes us feel like we're great and incredible and brings us pleasure for a moment, and it's all going to go away. You can't keep it. You can't take it with you. Those Egyptian coffins that we pull up, all the gold's still there. We live like that. But you give that up to gain what you cannot lose. That's taking hold of eternity. We read that last week. To take hold of eternal life. God leads us, you and I, through following. He leads us through the actions of our life. When we take steps in actionable things to pursue him, and you'd be like, well, I don't know what to do. You do what you have in front of you as you pursue him. We read scripture, we pray, or we, we give financially. We take a step to serve, and, and we do all these things. That's why in, in this month, we've been giving you these cards to begin to make this a habit of your life. We begin to do these three things. You give, you serve, and to love. And he leads us through the actions of our lives and through our experience of him and that's not always easy. It's going gonna, it's gonna to lead you to points of conflict. And those are the best places. And that's the, the place that many of you run because a place of being vulnerable and known is one of the hardest things to give up our pride for him and to admit that we're weak and limited. You will not find him. You will not find life until you take steps to follow him. You will not grow until you trust him in faith in the hard steps. But I want you to know that there is no better way to live. We have found life. To whom shall we go? He has the words of eternal life. And you are invited into this beautiful love. Jesus is our strength. He is our beauty. We go to him in our weakness. And he leads us towards growth through his grace, not guilt. And it's amazing. So Christ follower, come back to him. Make him your all. How do we live? How do we be rich? We follow Jesus' words. Matthew 6 says this, Do not worry, do not be afraid. This is Jesus speaking, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what are we going to wear? And all these things. He says, For the pagans, those who don't know God, run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. That is what it means to be rich. DCC, thank you for how you have been pursuing this this year. We're here today because of you and your pursuit of him and God's work in and through what I want to do for these last moments of our service today, I can think of no other way to celebrate than to take communion. You were handed these on the way in. I forgot to mention it, so if you've taken it already, I'm so sorry. And our, our team is here. If you, if you need one, they'll, they're going to walk around. Sylvia, if you can help, um, just to, if anybody needs one. These little pandemic communion cups. There's a wafer on top. It tastes amazing. And then... The juice underneath. I want to take a moment to reflect. We come to God. Scriptures say in 1 Corinthians that you should examine yourselves before eating the bread and drinking the cup. So let's take 
a moment just to come to Christ and come before him, and then we'll take communion together. As a church, we want to do this on a consistent basis to follow what Jesus began on the night that he was betrayed. He gave this to us to remember his sacrifice for us, and you don't have to do this today. This is, this is for those really who have dedicated and followed him. There's no pressure for you to do this together. He took the bread and he broke it, and so that's why we take the bread and break it. They took the cup and they drank from it, and we do so as well. And so we want to take this today. And so this is what Paul says, I'll pass on to you what I've received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. And he broke into pieces and said, this is my body which is given for you. Eat this to remember me. So let's eat that bread now to remember Christ. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. Let's take that. Today we proclaim God's death and his resurrection. That his body was broken, his blood was shed for the wrongdoing and the sins that we had done. We could not save it ourselves on our own. Only he could do it. He didn't come to to accuse us, he came to take the accusation upon himself, to exchange what he deserved for what we deserved, and we got what he deserved instead. And that's incredible. We are so thankful to God for who he is. We are celebrating Jesus today. It is all because of him. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Jesus, we thank you for how you are leading us. And we are confident that you are continuing to do this work in us as you have called us to be, just like you said before you rose from the grave, after you rose from the grave. Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do, but I want to celebrate what you're doing right now in and through this church family in Jersey City. We give the glory to God and we ask all this in Jesus' name.